This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. This week on Hangar Talk, the MAX is back in town. And a vertiport is planned for Florida. Avionics sales are bad, but not quite as bad as they used to be. The high school symposium went all virtual, and it was a hit. Finally, pilots looking for a job. There is still some good news out there. Ian, are you ready to do some hangar talk today? Let's do it, David. From AOPA, your freedom to fly. This is Hangar Talk. The 1056 turn right heading 130, contact final 132.4. With your hosts, Ian Twombly and David Tulitz. This is Hangar Talk. Welcome to Hangar Talk, everybody. I'm Ian Twombly. And I'm David Tulis. David, our, our guest this week, you know, we got a l- bit of a career theme going. You did the, all the legwork here and, and did the hard work and corralled two folks for us. Abby Hutter from JS Firm, they're a staffing company and, and have lots of sort of broad intel about careers. And then we've also got Matt Johnston. He runs California Aeronautical University, so he knows what it looks like for students coming in and what they need to, uh, to get jobs in the future. So really looking forward to what they have to say in these, let's be honest, you know, difficult times for students. Well, if folks will stay tuned for a little bit longer, we'll get the insights from Abby and Matt. And just a, just a little bit of a teaser, Ian, it's looking pretty good. Good, good. Okay, cool. <laughs> so let's, let's kick it off. I mean, one of the things that people could be flying in the far off into the future, if they're in school now, is the 737 MAX. And that is because it is back. It has been cleared by the FAA. And as part of that clearance, the FAA administrator, Steve Dixon, who was a Delta pilot, flew it himself back in September and went through the training process. Yeah. So uh, he had a lot to say about that and a little bit of input. And, you know, Ian, this is such a talker. My wife, Lisa, even asked about the 737 MAX. And people call me up and talk to me all the time and say, hey, Dave T., would you fly on a 737 MAX? Yes. Yeah. What would you? Would you? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've flown airplanes that are experimentals that nobody really looked at and LSAs that had ASTM approval only. And it's like, so man, yeah, FAA, the engineers at Boeing, I trust implicitly. FAA, I mean, a lot of smart people have been over this thing. So yes, absolutely. I would fly on it in a second. I've got a friend that flies one. He loves it. He said it just has gobs and gobs of power. 
He's excited to get it back. I think, you know, there'll be an adjustment period for people probably for the, for the broader sort of non-pilot public who flies on it. But at the end of the day, most people won't care. They won't even know they're on it and it'll just flow right back in and be fine, I think. You really have to be an astute aviation buff to notice the difference between a 737 MAX and and other variants of the 737. The 737 is the most popular airplane Boeing has made for quite a while. Yes. And there's so many sales. You you were talking about this just before the show. There's so many sales that have already happened. You know, in the, the commercial... Aviation businesses eagerly awaiting these aircraft because it's a it's a financial savings for the most part, yeah, uh, because of the efficiency. But one thing that that Boeing had to do, and it was one thing they didn't want to do, is that part of this ongoing process is a retraining of pilots. And this is one thing they were trying to cut corners with. And if you remember back to you know 2019 when all this started happening. That they, they wanted, they promoted the fact that the 737 was was so easy to fly. You really didn't need to train, didn't need to have any specific training, and that was a large uh, part of the problem. So I had to backtrack. That's right. The difference is training, you know, with the various models. I mean, I, I obviously that was kind of exposed, and you know, it, always I think there's going to be this ongoing debate between how much do the engineers tell the pilots through the manuals, how involved is the training. You know, I mean, this is something obviously Airbus is faced with automation. And so I think Airbus pilots are more sort of probably used to knowing the various levels of automation and when that kicks in. But it is interesting. You know, the FAA is going to require, they did require some system enhancements, we'll say, some software changes, presumably, and also some training changes, which I think is a good thing because. You know, while when this when these accidents happened a couple of years ago, I think, you know, sort of the public outcry was, well, the airplane's flawed. As we found out, it was a combination of factors. And so those will be addressed. And, and yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll get on it tomorrow, as, as I'm sure you will. Yeah, the MCAS system was something that Boeing, uh, you know, integrated into the aircraft. The main problem from the pilots that we talked to that fly these aircraft is the fact that they're, they were sort of silent about it. They didn't really write it up thoroughly in the manuals, and that was one problem. But a good buddy of mine who flies the 737 MAX for American Airlines told me early on, you know, hey, David, you know, they're right there on the pedestal. There's stabilizer trim. There's two switches. You switch them off. It's a common occurrence with a trim runaway, but the training and the training training in the U.S. is different than international training, and the way that things are interpreted. And I think that is what led to those two tragic accidents that killed 346 people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'm sure no one is is more excited about this than Boeing, which they saw 400 airplanes parked. Now this is according to Avweb. Uh, Paul Bertarelli had a good story about this. 400 active airplanes were parked because of this. They had built another 450 that hadn't even been delivered yet. So, you know, airplanes sitting all over the world just waiting to be exercised. So good news for Boeing, I think. Good news for the operators who are excited to have it back, as you mentioned. So let's move on to the future a little bit. eVTOL, we like to bring this up occasionally. And there's, you know, we've talked about the, a lot of the aircraft and the technology behind them and that sort of thing. But not as much about the infrastructure that's going to go with them. And there's a little news there with Lilium planning a little hub in Orlando. A little hub, you say, Ian, it's the, called a Vertiport. And actually, it's going to be a pretty big hub. And you and I were both looking at, at Google Maps for this. And I started out looking at our AOPA, uh, basically looked at our airport database and noticed that Lake Nona, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, Lake Nona or Lake Nona, it's uh, right at the end 
of the East Runway at MCO, Orlando International Airport, commonly referred to as Mickey Mouse Airport. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and so it's just at the east, at the east and the south of, of one of the runways. And this is where the vertical port, the vertiport, would be built in this very, very cool planned community. And yeah, and, and it goes on from there. But now to me, it, it's a cool idea. I like the fact that it's close to a real airport hub that kind of laces the hub and spoke system or the newer version of that. It kind of laces it together a little bit. But I'm a little worried about some uh, the TFR that's over Disney World if you're headed out to the east. I'm sorry, headed to uh, the west, rather. And also the, the range of the Lilium jet is something to be thinking about. You know, it doesn't go all that far. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they're saying, you know, that puts them within 30 minutes of Tampa and various places in Orlando and maybe even down sort of Daytona to the south a little bit, a little farther to Miami and, and others. But it is kind of interesting because it, it shows a little bit is, you know, what they're thinking in terms of what potential customers will use it for. I mean, I had sort of been under the impression that people want this specifically to skip traffic. You know, it's like I need to get from how they would use an Uber. I want to get from the west side of Orlando to the east side. And it seems like they're more looking at almost like a like a VLJ market, you know, yeah. it's sort of a short range, cheap, you know, charter. Agreed. So, something that gets you from Central Florida to South Florida yeah. pretty easily or from Central Florida up to the Southern Georgia coast, something like that, where you're not, you're going a couple hundred miles. Anyone who's driven in Florida, in Central Florida, knows that the I-4 corridor is ridiculous in a car. Yes. In any yes, kind of a awful. of an automobile, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, land based vehicle, so so there's a good point to avoid I you know I four down there. Head to the Vertiport. Yeah, you know it's funny because by looking at this stuff, I mean every time my my thought is, and even more so with this, I think my my thought is this is what helicopters do, right? I mean already. this is what and they do helicopters well. do already exactly. This is what you know. I mean we mentioned VLJs. This is what the Eclipse could do. You know, I mean th- this is what you know, Pipers, this is what sort of, you know, Meridians and Malibus can do. I mean, so it, I don't know. I, it, it'll be interesting to see how people use these because I think, you know, like I said, my impression was it was like get from one building to another building. But if you're talking about vertiports, I mean, you're talking about sort of more regional transportation with a really solid, large infrastructure. And it's like, we've already got that with airports and heliports. And so it does make you wonder kind of where these are going to fit. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And I think that, you know, my, my bigger concern is how the infrastructure will handle it uh, as far as airspace, integrating with drones and, and drone deliveries. And you know, we've already seen hospitals make drone deliveries. We've seen some of the commercial stores making drone deliveries. You know, Amazon has their own Air Force and, uh, and UPS as well. So how it integrates to me is a big question. And, and, and as you've reported on several times, some of the alternative power structures for, for these aircraft, you know, and how that will get a little bit more sophisticated and more efficient. I think that it definitely remains to be seen how it'll all work out. Yeah, well, they're going to get a trial by fire there just on the east side of uh, MCO. So we'll see how they integrate. Hey, moving on, we want to talk about avionics sales. AEA, the Aircraft Electronics Association, just put out a report about the first three quarters of the year. And all I have to say is y'all need to be spending some more money. It is not not a good year for avionics manufacturers, which I suppose is not surprising. It's a mixed bag, Ian. Actually, you know, overall, 
as one would imagine, for the first three quarters of 2020, there's a 27% decline compared to 2019's figures of the same time period. But there's a good news situation coming out of this. The third quarter was better than the second quarter. Okay. And the other thing that um, I just did a real quick dive into it, it looks like the, that there's a bright light on the retrofit market, which are folks like me and you mm-hmm. who have, you know, have or use general aviation aircraft. That market is up about 11% over the second quarter total sales. So that means it's coming back. People are sp- still spending some money on their aircraft as new technology becomes available. And as new technology comes, becomes available, I'm a big proponent for all the cool things that will help us fly safer. Yeah. One thing, you know, that I, I was curious about with this report is that part of this might have been driven by ADSB. You know, the fact that people were spending furiously last year and, and you just saw that, you know, in 2018 and 2019, these numbers were up big time. And as people sort of drop their spending a little bit on ADSB, maybe that number comes down. Because as we know, people didn't just equip with ADSB. They went in and, you know, got a G5 or, you know, a new autopilot or whatever the case may be. So, you know, the thing about this that's really interesting is it's not just the avionics, right? I mean, we're not talking about just Garmin and, you know, Free Flight and, and all the others. I mean, we're, we're talking about the shops that do the work, you know, whether that's an avionics shop specifically or a, you know, like a broader sort of, you know, full retrofit facility. So we like to see those numbers high because it's part of the overall infrastructure of what's going on in aviation. So, yeah, go out there, spend some more money upgrade those airplanes. We know people are buying airplanes. So if you're buying that airplane, get it upgraded, Uh, get it the way you want it. Because yeah, that number needs to come back, uh, I think for a a healthy ecosystem. And as you like to say, moving on to some better news. (laughs) That's right. So education, you know, we, we brought it up at the beginning. AOPA for a number of years has been involved in, well, through the You Can Fly program, many different facets of trying to grow that pilot population. And one that we don't talk a whole lot about, but is, is getting really strong, is high school education, trying to get STEM into the classroom through aviation. And uh, every year they hold a symposium. But of course, with, in the time of COVID, uh, that had to change a little bit. And it was digital. And it just happened as we record this last night. And you attended. And uh, by all accounts, it was, it was a winner. Ian, it was super popular. There were over 900 folks, 950 people that tuned in to this live stream last night. It was an hour and a half program. It was very lively and, and a very and, and it struck the same positive note that we have when we do these STEM symposiums in person. I mean, you could feel the energy. There was a there was a live chat that was going on at the same time. The event was hosted by Swain Martin. Now, folks might have heard of Swain. He, he's actually a professional pilot. And he's got a huge internet following. And so he, he was sharing his passion for aviation, and he really danced between the, some pre-recorded sessions, a live video. He moderated some chats. People had questions. How could they start the curriculum in their school? Everything from questions like that to how to get involved as a professional pilot, a career pilot. So there was great information and a lot of positivity, and even in the online format. You know, it was a live stream. We archived, and people will be able to get to it a little bit later, by the way, I should add. That's that's great. That's great. Yeah. So this is meant for, you know, obviously we all know Oshkosh and Sun and Fun and, you know, those kind of big shows and our fly-ins, 
But this symposium is meant for, in a lot of cases, people outside of that inner aviation circle, teachers, school administrators. I mean, this is supposed to be an educational sort of conference. And so it, it is a little bit of a, you know, very targeted event for those folks. And it allows them to come in for professional development, share ideas. It helps people network so they can get started in their school. Right. Because the program really has grown the past couple of years. Yeah, you covered the first one down in in Lakeland, Florida. And I want to say there was probably about 50 or 60 educators there. And now we're talking about teachers, you know, superintendents, you know, even city managers, things like that. And and it grew from that, Ian, to the last in-person one. We had over 300 folks in Denver last year. And, and we're talking now, tr- we tripled that on the event that happened, you know, online. And, and what's cool about this, Ian, is that it really uh, it encourages a lot of educators to pursue aviation as a STEM component, a way to get students involved and excited. And honestly, I got to tell you, when I was in eighth and ninth grade, you know, 10th, 11th grade, I'd fall asleep in class, you know, and some of the, some of the, (laughs) you know, some of the math and some of the science I was learning. But this is taught in a very engaging manner. And we have curriculum now. APA has, has pioneer curriculum for ninth through 12th grades, Ian. And it really gives folks who are not exposed to a potential aviation career the option and the idea of thinking about, well, hey, maybe I could go into aviation. What could I do? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be a pilot or necessarily a technician. There are are literally dozens, if not hundreds of different jobs young people could pursue in management, IT, meteorology, things like that. We have concentrated on the pilot segment and the drone pilot segment, but there's totally, you know, the the fields are totally open and this really gets a lot of people going. Yeah. One thing I love about this program, so right now, by the way, just to throw some numbers at you, it is in 400 classrooms and 200 schools, 38 states, covers about 8,000 students. One of the things I love about it is it it also overrepresents minorities and, and women in terms of, you know, how they're represented in aviation versus what's in the classroom. So that's really good. And the other thing is that it, it, it is an avenue for pilots, I think, who they've wanted to do something locally. They've wanted to help. They wanted to get kids involved in aviation. They don't really know how to do it. This is a way to do it. You can hook up somebody at your local school with AOPA and get that curriculum into the school. You can be the sort of the conduit to make sure that that happens and to have the energy behind it to make sure it happens because it just takes a person who's passionate about it to uh, to get it in there and to expose the, the the school and the teachers and the administration to it. I agree, Ian, and you brought a, a point just now in the conversation I think that we should emphasize, and you've written about this as well. The overall professional pilot population for females is right around 7% in the U.S., and in this program, in the high school curriculum, we have between 22 and 23% of the high school aviation STEM students who are female. And listen, it is not just a male world in in aviation. We need to really open our arms, and we have, and let folks know that there is a place for them in aviation, no matter if they're a a guy or a girl, you know, any race, color, No matter what their background is, that's right. Exactly. There's plenty of opportunity, and it's going to be a growing field. Yeah. So speaking of that, our last news item is CAE. They're the simulator training provider, manufacturer, big company out of Canada. They put out a pilot population uh, research project uh, looking at the demand for pilots for the next 10 years. 
And, you know, we know that airlines aren't looking great right now, but CAE is pretty confident that things are going to get much better over the next couple of years and through the next 10 years. Yeah, Ian, they have cited the need for 27,000 new professional pilots starting in late 2021 and more than 260,000 pilots over the next decade. Yeah, it's pretty cool because they, they talk about how many pilots there are currently, the size of the market currently. They're, they're showing 333,000 airline pilots, 54,000 uh, business jet pilots, corporate pilots in 2019. And they're saying by 2029, that number is going to be 426,000 airline pilots and 58,000 corporate or, or business pilots. So all in all, I think it's looking really good for people who are thinking, okay, are we going to weather this? What's the future going to look like? You know, that sort of thing. And, th- and this confirms like we've talked about a couple of weeks ago with the Boeing report. Yeah, dovetailing on the Boeing report, Ian, just to put a fine-tooth comb on this, a little bit finer point, the CAE analysis really shows that the demand for uh, for pilots, for aviators, prior to COVID-19 and after COVID-19 will really remain unchanged. In other words, when we get through all this, the demand will still be there for for more pilots, more technicians, you know, more more flight attendants overall, because there are still a number of age-based retirements. And you already mentioned during this podcast uh, that the growth of the fleet, we were just talking about the 737 MAX and the number of aircraft that are involved with that, because the fleet is going to continue to grow. And that's those are the main drivers for this kind of pilot demand. Yeah. So it's a great segue to our guest this week, Matt and Abby. Now, they are experts in this area. As we mentioned, Abby, her company, the company she works for, JS Firm, they're the place you go to get career advice, job searches, companies, thousands and thousands of companies post jobs there. So she's got a great look at kind of what's going on overall with careers. And to your point, beyond just flying careers and technician careers into software and everything else you can imagine, and then Matt, who is at the front lines, bringing kids into the industry, training them up, getting them out. And so both of them, I think, have a great perspective on this. I'm really looking forward to it. All right, we have a special Hangar Talk podcast today. I want to welcome two special guests with us. Matt Johnston, the president of California Aeronautical University over in California, and Abby Hutter with JSFirm.com, one of our partners at AOPA, and someone who really has the, the pulse of the aviation careers. Actually, both of our guests have the pulse on aviation careers, and I want to open the floor to both of them now. Abby, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get going on today's topic? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Matt, it's always great to be with you as well. Definitely missing the uh, AOPA fly-ins, that's for sure, Um, but happy to participate here on the podcast. So, yep, my name is Abby Hutter. I've been with JSFirm.com now for almost seven years. We're an aviation job website. So like you said, our partnership with AOPA, we send thousands of aviation jobs to AOPA's website that gives AOPA's visitors, you know, the chance to see companies that are hiring. They might be on AOPA's website, you know, researching insurance, looking at a new headset, and they'll see that Garmin's hiring. So you can imagine that the companies that post on our website, 
love that their jobs also go to AOPA um, along with additional partners. Um, but yeah, real simple. We're a free website for aviation job seekers to search and apply to jobs. And then we have thousands of companies that post their open positions on our website. And I'll, I'll let uh, our listeners know in a minute, Abby, how they can tap into that and, and use some of the resources that you have that we'll talk about. And you, you sold yourself a little bit short. You're the executive director at JSFirm.com. And also tell me a little bit about your aviation background super quick, and then we'll, get, we'll jump right to Matt. Absolutely. So you're, you're, you're correct. I am the executive director here at JSFirm.com. And my background in aviation, as much as I wish I could say I was a pilot or a mechanic, I'm not. But I am one of the biggest enthusiasts that you'll ever meet. I've had the chance to fly in Super Cubs and Cessnas. And I also went up with the uh, Aeroshell team at Sun and Fun. So I've had the chance to participate in some really unique aviation events. That's really my background. So being with the company for seven years and traveling to Sun and Fun and Oshkosh and AOPA fly-ins and MBAA and Heli Expo, that's my, I'm, I'm an enthusiast. I'm a big aviation nut. And, you know, if I had the time, I, I'd love to be a pilot. Well, we're, we're going to say you're a student pilot for these purposes. Perfect. And, uh, <laughs> and we'll encourage you to continue your aviation studies. Now, speaking of studies, Matt Johnston, now you and I met each other a couple of years ago in California at one of the AAPA fly-ins. You're the president at California Aeronautical University, one of our partners, and your school is just going gangbusters. Matt, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what's going on over at California Aeronautical. No, thanks, David. I appreciate the opportunity to to be on this podcast with you and Abby missing you and missing doing these kind of things in person. And you got me with my juices flowing for, for all those air shows and the things you mentioned, but uh, yeah, our university, uh, we've been going strong through this pandemic. Even the marketplace for pilots uh, still continues to be there despite uh, some of these hiccups we're seeing. I'm looking forward to talking about that throughout this podcast. But yeah, we're a college uh, out in California with uh, flight centers in San Diego and in Ventura counties. Uh, We uh, train and focus all of our educational activities on aeronautical programs. So bachelor's degree in aeronautics. Uh, We have uh, business non-flying pursuits that students can study. We've just recently were approved as a part 147 school for uh, aviation maintenance technicians uh, to start training that. So we're looking forward to bringing that on online in 2021. And we're proud of what we've been doing. We're, we're 22 acres located with our main campus in really a real aviation hub in the center of California, almost literally in the, in the Bakersfield, Kern County's area where Mojave and some of the aviation industries, newest technologies uh, with military and otherwise are, are being discovered. So we're just happy to be serving the community and, and training pilots and putting people out there that uh, can use JS Firm website to, to find their next aviation gig. And that's why we have both y'all on at the same time, Matt. Now, you, you're a pilot also, and I know that I'm going to make a guess. Now, I got into aviation a little bit late. Now, tell me a little bit about how you got started in aviation. It's not, you've only been in it for a number of years, but you've been just going full steam ahead. I, I am equally as passionate as the next person in aviation, as Abby was stating all of her, her passions. I, I am a pilot. Um, I own a 182, and I fly that about uh, I don't know, 175 to 200 hours a year. I get the 
fortunate opportunities to kind of commute in that and, and kind of hop around to different things. But I, I have a lot of fun in a, a super decathlon that I, I also own. So going, uh, doing fun things in the air and, and, and staying connected to the, uh, the, the kind of stick and rudder skill sets is something that keeps me sharp. And I find bringing that into the university and, and that passion kind of floods onto, onto our students. But yeah, I've been flying personally for about 15 years. And uh, I think just about everything in aviation is exciting. And, you know, we're highly focused on the pilot niche, but man, the pilot niche is really just a small niche in, in the vast amount of opportunities that exist out there in, in the community. You're right, Matt. And um, that's something I could ask uh, Abby about a little bit more as we delve into some of the different jobs that uh, are open aviators. You know, a lot of folks traditionally gravitate towards either a pilot career or or a technician career. But Abby and I have talked about this before, and I think as well with you, Matt, that there are just numerous jobs that you could pursue that go beyond all that. Abby, take a quick second and tell us what, you know, what other jobs might be available for folks who might not pursue a pilot or a maintenance technician career. Absolutely. So just on our website, you know, we have 20 different categories of aviation jobs, everything from pilots, mechanics, avionics, UAV, UAS, but also your executive and management, accounting, administration, you know, anything that touches an airport or an airplane, if they're hiring, you can find that job on jsfirm.com. And it's interesting too, you know, as you guys know, there's thousands and thousands of pilots that don't fly for a living. You know, they may do other things for their professional career, but how great would it be to have a pilot work in sales for your company or be at a management level for your company? So we also have companies too, you know, that look for people like that, that have a pilot or a maintenance background to put into those roles. Makes sense to me, you know, meteorology, IT, uh, you know, man, like you said, management, airport management, engineering, all those kind of fields are really encompass aviation as a whole. Listen, both of y'all really have a good handle on some important, you know, prospects for, for students and, and for job seekers. Tell me a little bit about what both of y'all think uh, would be important for prospective students and job seekers to know right now? If I I might just kind of comment to to that last little part there, but also give you some some of my input on that. The, you know, for every pilot, there's dozens, if not hundreds of aviation jobs to to support what's going on um, in, in, in the total infrastructure. Some of which uh, you, Abby mentioned and, and, you talked about. But I think, first off, just people knowing that the aviation community is is so viable and not really thought about. We spend a lot of time in our university efforts to show people that there are pathways and, and career opportunities in aviation. There's so much emphasis at your traditional colleges and schools that are just focused on, you know, a traditional business pursuit or, or some of the more, what I would say, common kind of thoughts are for careers out there. And aviation all too often is, is overlooked and people are found kind of stumbling into it. But I will tell you, my experience with people that are interested in aviation, 
they're focused individuals. They're, they're people that are pretty driven towards making a difference and taking the things that they go into it from you know, engineering or administrative and, and really recognizing that what they're doing is making a difference you know, to either our defenses for our country and or you know, pleasure for people trying to get from point A to B or businesses that, that need aviation to, uh, to make things happen logistically or otherwise. And um, I think the first thing is just to get people interested in recognizing that aviation's a great opportunity. It's a great profession in whatever facet that you can get into it to pursue because God, the people are just great in this industry. Matt, that's an excellent answer. I wrote down a couple of notes right there. I like what you you said right off the bat that aviation is often overlooked as a career. And then you label, I mean, you mentioned a few things right off the bat, defense, transportation, pleasure, businesses that need it logistically to keep their businesses going. Those are all really important things uh, to make our overall economy keep spinning in a positive direction. And Abby, you are in a unique standpoint to to kind of see what jobs people are sort of gravitating to. Do you have any trends that you've noticed lately? Yeah, so uh, just to go with what Matt said, and Matt, you really hit the nail on the head as far as, you know, with us, obviously the pandemic, and you all you see on the news is the major airlines, right, uh, with the bailouts. And it's it's so crazy to us, and even with my own children, you know, I, of course, I try to push aviation onto them as much as I can. Uh, without being too pushy, but it's not just pilots and mechanics. I mean, I love pilots and I love mechanics, but you think about, they're talking about this vaccine now. How are they going to get that all over the country, let alone the world? Aviation. Christmas. They're talking about each household will get a minimum of 25 packages. How are those packages going to get all over the world? Aviation. Like, And I know there's trucking and stuff in between that, but aviation is not going anywhere. So it's not, it's not slowing down, right? Or it may slow down for a minute, but we do see, uh, we've even had a couple of regional airlines come back onto the website this week. They're looking for mechanics. You know, they're set, GoJet, I believe, is set to purchase, you know, two Embraer's like over the next, like every month for the next six months, like something crazy. So now what? Now they need mechanics, right? To maintain those aircraft. So it's, uh, it's everything from your MROs, your cargos, uh, CFIs. We have lots of general aviation companies that are looking for general aviation mechanics and CFIs. It's busy. You know, over 20,000 jobs on the site right now. That's amazing. And, and, and uh, we're going to get back to that in just a second. Now, I teased it a minute ago. I want, you, I want to ask Matt one more thing. And then I, when we come back, I want you to tell us how folks can actually tap into that and use some of the tools. But Matt, Abby just mentioned something about the need for mechanics. And you mentioned it right in the lead off of your, of your segment when we introduced you. Tell us a little bit about what a Part 147 program is and how that is leading to an expansion over at California Aeronautical. You know, basically, you guys are growing by leaps and bounds, and I want folks to kind of understand what's happening here uh, in that that segment of the industry. Yeah, appreciate that. The, the you know mechanics, it's kind of like a, a subset of the whole aviation world, right? The you know first you got to get people interested in aviation, and then and then you got to look at the subsets and and see the different opportunities that you know are, are so plentiful. And uh, the mechanic is one of those underrated opportunities that is as plentiful in need as pilots and the administrators and, and all the other support networks that go in, into uh, this industry. Our, our programs at California Aeronautical University are 
are very focused and meant to concentrate a student's efforts on their education and completion in, in the shortest amount of time. Our bachelor's degree in aeronautics program, we complete a student with, you know, every rating and certificate they need, plus their four-year amount of credits in in three-year period of time. Our maintenance program that's recently been approved, we're taking a similar approach, and uh, students will go year-round, and in in a matter of 18 months, they'll have all of the skill sets that the regulatory requirements have for a student to complete, and they'll be able to go out there and and go to work on some of these things that, that Abby is sharing with us about. So it's working on aircraft, it's, you know, MROs, and I, you know, we throw around acronyms. I, I kind of smile when you're throwing that stuff around at me because I think I, you and I forget the, you know, being in this, talking about this every day, you know, the, all these uh, acronyms and opportunities that people have. Mechanics, a great opportunity. It is. And, and, and I'm glad both of y'all are kind of headed that way. You know, Matt, you mentioned this too earlier, you know, behind every pilot is, is certainly, you know, a background of a host of other people that that keep those uh, those pilots going and keep this keep the schools going and keep the CFIs going things like that you know it's a real deep program the part 147 and that's a mechanics that's an aviation technician program and you said that now it, is it a two-year process or is it a three-year process I was missing that I'm sorry about that yeah I, again I get all excited about all this other stuff eight 18-month program at California Aeronautical University. Uh, somebody will come in and we'll, we'll give them all the skills and knowledge they need to, to pass their appropriate FAA certifications to become a, a mechanic. Uh, airframe, power plant, so they, uh, and, and general knowledge. They'll, they'll obtain that in an 18-month period of time and, and go out there and be gainfully employed. All right, so I'm going to mention one thing, and I don't want I don't want you to get upset with me, Matt. But you know, not everyone is set to go to college. I mean, a lot of folks, you know, college doesn't sit well with them, or they can't afford it. And before we go into scholarships and things like that, but you know, uh, which we which I would like to talk about, including there's one big one that California Aeronautical University awarded um, last year. But you know, not everyone is built for college, and we're finding that out a little bit here um, over at AOPA. We've had the high school curriculum that we've brought in from the ninth grade all the way through the twelfth grade. So, for Abby or for Matt, I mean, how important is a college education? Well, obviously, uh, I, I I think education period is um, something important. We're we're always learning um, what what credential you earn from that learning, whether that's a bachelor's degree or a certificate or a diploma, I think it's an imperative for anybody that's looking to progress in, in their career or just uh, personally to, to continue to make an investment in, in, in learning. And I totally agree with you, David. And at California Aeronautical University, we, we try to bring the community together, recognizing those differences. And that's why we're a big supporter of the AOPA's effort out in high schools, and uh, we recognize the different paths that people can take, and, uh, and we think that's great. So uh, we want to be a, a strong option for people, but we also want to support all those other options as well with resources that we can. And I can't speak to all the employers. I think Abby can speak to it better as far as you know, job requirements that employers might have. But what we find with our students leaving with a bachelor's degree is that that well-rounded person that, that's kind of made that additional investment in their 
in their knowledge about about their pursuit, employers find find valuable and and uh, like our graduates for that. That makes sense. So, Abby, and when you're looking at it from the other end, tell me tell me what you're seeing as far as the importance of a of a four year or a two year degree. Yeah, so I couldn't agree more with Matt, and I definitely think it's a personal decision, you know, whether to invest the time and the money uh, into bettering yourself. But for sure, a degree is not always required, but more so preferred uh, for a lot of jobs. Not all jobs. Uh, I can tell you my daughter is 17 and will be going to the University of Akron in 2023, and she's going to college. You know, she civil engineering. That's what she wants to do. Of course, I'm trying to push the uh, the drone world onto her as well. But as far as the jobs on the website, you know, I, I would say it's really from job to job, from company to company, depending on what the job is. But I would say more times than not, a degree is preferred, but not required. But I can tell you, my children will be going to college <laughs> unless they want to do, you know, HVAC or electrical work where they can go to a trade school. In six months, as long as they can make a good living, I'm happy with whatever my child chooses. And the last thing I would do is force somebody to go to college because that's too expensive to mess around with that stuff. Understood. And now, just to let folks know, in uh, early part of December, I guess December 1st, APA is going to unleash about a million dollars worth of flight training scholarships that might help people pursue aviation as a, as a career and also for educators that are pursuing aviation. But uh, both y'all are right. I mean, I think it's important to have a, a degree. I actually went back to college late in my life, but it's not for everybody. But I do understand that it makes you a more well-rounded individual. And from Matt's perspective, I'm going to guess that, you know, you really want people who are serious about school because when you're learning the, the, the ropes, when you're getting your, your private pilot certificate and then you're moving on to the IFR and the commercial world, you know, the, the, these are some really important concepts that you have to nail down and get really just get down and get the regulations underneath your belt and really know how to buckle down and study. Wondering if you can tell us a little bit about that and maybe tell us a little bit about the campus. Well, I, I think, you know, at the root of all learning is, is critical thinking and, and teaching people how to critically think through whatever their their, their focus is, you know, whether that be a, a trade or, you know, something in, in some more scientific pursuit. And what an education does is, is train somebody how to critically think with the information that they acquire through that, that learning, uh, whatever that journey is for, for each individual. You know, like, for example, I think choosing a school and whether that be, you know, in aviation, if you're pursuing a pilot career, a pilot flight school at your local airport or a college or university, I think you have to kind of know your learning style and what works for you and, and, and what kind of patience you have for your ability to digest information and, and acquire those critical thinking uh, skills that, that are going to be necessary. Like, for example, the, how we designed our AMT program for the maintenance technician, we recognize that, that an individual that's pursuing that program is going to be different than, than a, a, a student pursuing a pilot program. So that program is 18 months. It, it's very focused on just what they need to go to work. It doesn't have a lot of degree general education. It's really FAA requirements, and, and that's all that they're going to get out of that really kind of certificate program. Whereas the bachelor's degree in aeronautics, it's uh, you know, more at the complex end of the learning of all the information that's compared what you might get at a local flight school. So I think critical thinking is 
is the common denominator to, to, to all choices. And at our campus in Bakersfield and at our flight centers, we focus our environment around um, making sure people are surrounded and encompassed by all the things they need to, to saturate them with, with the objectives being met and the outcomes for, for what we're trying to achieve in whichever study they might be pursuing. So our 20-year campus has on-campus living and, and all the things to, to keep them focused here on the airport. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And, um, you know, we all went through the uh, and are still going through the coronavirus pandemic right now. Now, California Aeronautical University kind of because it's a closed campus, more or less, you guys were able to keep things going and keep flight training going. You and I have talked a little bit more about the procedures that you were using in the uh, training aircraft and, and, and things like that to maintain safety. Can you speak a little bit to that as far as some of the safety precautions that we're experiencing right now? And maybe, Matt, is there a way to relate that to being on campus in that on-campus environment? Well, what's beautiful about, and, and gosh, Abby's probably seen a lot of job postings that have kind of been created during coronavirus uh, for um, protections and, and, and safety and, and, you know, tracing and different things that companies and airlines and the aviation industries have. But that's the great thing about our community. We're already safety focused. And uh, I think we work together well as a community and we come together well as a community and we share information fabulously together. So I'm fortunate in my group of, of peers, uh, you know, the University Aviation Association, you see articles being written by other organizations, especially AOPA, that are out there, you know, supporting different ideas that flight schools need to, to, to consider implementing to, to keep their uh, health safety risks um, at bay. So it fits in naturally. This coronavirus, uh, as, as, as bad as it's been for, for the world, um, in the aviation community, we've, I think, done a good job of adapting into it um, protocols of more cleaning and rituals to keep the aircraft sanitized and, and individuals safe because these cockpits are close quarters. So even you take flight attendants and and you look at the, the travel industry or the 135 operations business where they've got flight attendants and they've got crew, how to keep these cabins clean and, and what needs to take place with wearing their masks and social distancing. We've created, because our aircrafts are very small, little things like a, a green and red card, that we have a green card that's up, you know, kind of like plane could be towed or brakes are on, brakes are off. Uh, so same kind of concept. The, been disinfected or it's not disinfected so that before a pilot gets in a plane, they can be aware of what that environment's uh, had happen to it, whether it's been disinfected or not. But I'm really proud to be part of the aviation community through this pandemic. I mean, you see all the negative stuff, but man, we've we've come together and I think as a community and doing a great job and I'm looking, looking for the consumer confidence to pick back up and, and all of those Boeing and CAE and all these different reports that you see so that we can just keep at it and continue our uh, our training of individuals. I mean, we're up 15% with our interest year over year for people wanting to pursue a career in, in aviation. So I'm, I'm very well, I like that. That's a positive. That's a positive sign, Matt. And listen, I'm going to just open the door to Abby real quick. Abby, when the Boeing report came out in October, 
you were, I was going to say, you're kind of bullish on that. You're, you're, you thought that there was um, still good competence across the aviation industry. And Matt just mentioned the CAE uh, outlook, which came out just a couple of days ago. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing as far as, you know, future trends and, and, you know, sort of what you could predict for the near future. Absolutely. So again, I couldn't agree more with Matt. You know, he talked a little bit about consumer confidence, um, you know, whether that's to travel, whether it's for work, whether it's for pleasure, you know, aviation will follow suit. You know, that stuff's going to pick back up. I know personally, I just flew to Florida about a month ago now, two, three weeks ago, and uh, it was great. The aircraft was sparkling clean. We wore masks the whole time. The plane was full. I loved, I got so excited to see that people were competent to fly, you know? So, so that was exciting to see. I'm sorry. What was your original question? I wanted to. Start- no, no, we're good. You're good. with You're explaining it in, in a positive light. So you were really bullish on the Boeing report, which came out in October um, as a positive, you know, we've all seen the ups and downs in the aviation industry and the Boeing report, I, w- I want to say was, was tempered a little bit with reality, but, uh, but in the long run, folks like yourself and Matt and other aviation industry leaders have, have always said, including Mark Baker, you know, stay the course, stay the course, stay with it. It takes a couple of years to, to get your aviation education and then see what happens. Cause we all see that kind of up and down curve. So tell me a little bit about that. Abby, I can see, I can see, I can see why your mind wandered a little bit there because I remember your stories. That Florida trip was pretty, uh, pretty fun for you. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fun, and we we had the chance, you know, my my son had the chance to uh, go up with Epic Flight Academy uh, for a Discovery Flight, so that was just it was so cool. But the Boeing report, man, when that came out, you know, it was it's down like five percent, I think, for pilots, and maybe like three percent for crew. And we, you know, at being an aviation job website, we're like, wow, that's awesome! Like, we still need four hundred and fifty thousand aviation professionals over the next 20 years like that's not a small number and I don't quote me on those numbers because I don't have it right in front of me but I know the pilots it was like it went down by like 40,000 so I'm looking at it and you're on you're on mark the new figures account for about a five percent reduction in pilots and about 3.9 percent in technicians but that's over 20 years Uh, and so we're looking around the corner it just takes a couple years to get in and out of out of our training Absolutely. So that's what, uh, you know, we're excited here being an aviation job website because of that. And our hope is that people continue to get into aviation any level. You know, we're happy with any level to support that. And we just, you know, with that consumer confidence, we're going to get back to where we were. Uh, It may take a little bit of time, but I I mean, I know I'm ready uh, for that to happen. Just personally, I love traveling. I love flying. I'll do whatever anyone wants me to do. I'll jump through any hoop to get on an airplane and fly somewhere, somewhere warm. That's for sure. That makes sense. And now this is a good time, I think for, for me to ask you to tell our folks who are listening to this podcast a little bit about some of the tools that JS firm has that are available to folks who sign up and it's free F R double E to make an account, which I did myself just to see how it worked. And I know that you have resume upload and management tools, as well as a host of other tools and techniques to help folks out. 
just hit us with a few of those that are some of the more popular ones on jsfirm.com. So real quick, you know, on our website, like you said, it's it's free for job seekers. Uh, we do have a few small paid services. If you want like a whole resume creation, we will do that for you for a small fee. We do offer free resume reviews. So we'll spot check it and make some pointers. Um, some of the my three favorite things on the website. So the first one's job alerts. Just by running a search on our website and activating the job alert, whatever that saved search was, you'll get an email once a day that has any of the jobs that you're interested in and any company. So anytime that company you know, posts a job on our website, you'll get an email, right? So then the other feature we have is an interactive map on our website that shows hiring companies. But in addition to hiring companies, it shows you every aviation company in the country whether they're hiring or not. So maybe they aren't hiring right now, but guess what you can do on jsfirm.com? You're able to click on that company. You can send them a message and let them know you're interested when they are hiring. You can get their mailing address, their web address. So that way you can still contact them and pursue them even if they aren't actively hiring on the outside. But here at jsfirm.com, we believe that everybody is always actively recruiting. I know personally, we're looking for good people every day. Were we in the middle of a pandemic? Absolutely. Is jsrm.com hiring? Absolutely. If I find the right person, uh, we're not going to limit our growth. So in addition to that, I think I briefly touched on it. You are able to follow companies. So much like on social media, say, we'll say Garmin or say, I want to follow AOPA. I want to know when they're hiring in Frederick, Maryland, because that's where I want to work. You follow that company. And when AOPA posts a job, I'm going to get an email in my inbox letting me know that there's a job there. So that's so, especially people right now, if they're not actively working right now, whether they were furloughed or laid off or whatever the reason is, you can get onto our website, pick all your favorite companies, your dream companies. Maybe you want to work for Boeing. Maybe you want to work for Airbus. You follow those companies and you're going to get emails every morning about 5 a.m. If there's a job, it'll be in your inbox. And then again, it's free to do all of that stuff. There's no charge for job seekers. Well, t- tell me a little bit about that's all really good stuff. And I actually get those emails and they're, they're cool to look at. Tell me about the skill check. I think this is kind of a neat thing that jsfirm.com has. And, and it really could bolster a lot of people's backgrounds. Absolutely. So we release these skill checks at HEI, or HEI, sorry, HAI Heli Expo this year when we were in California. And it was fun, you know, because sometimes, you know, how the shows can get slow till the third day. So we went ahead and released these skill checks. And Different people, whether they were mechanics or pilots or avionics techs, they were coming to our booth because their booth was dead and they were challenging each other. They're just short 10 question quizzes that actually Matt CAU has provided some of the questions for us for flight. We've gotten some from Epic Flight Academy. So they're not coming from JS Firm. We reach out to schools and different flight schools to send us these uh, the questions. We put them on the website. We don't share them with anybody, but it's pretty neat when you look at the score before you take the test, it'll tell you what the average score is on the people that are taking um, the tests on our website. And it was funny at Heli Expo, you know, these people that are, they're mechanics and avionics, like there would always be one or two questions that would stump them. And then they would go get their buddy and be like, here, you try to take it. You see if you can get them all right. So it's just something fun to do on the website. And that's part of our initiative. You know, everyone's not always looking for a job. You know, a lot of times people like I'm very happy at my job right now. I'm not actively looking for a job. So we find ourselves here at jsfirm.com is what can we do to interact with people that aren't looking for a job, the ones that are happily and gainfully employed. So that's just one of those things that we came up with to 
you know, engage people year round. That's pretty neat stuff. And, and it's a lot of fun. I, I want to throw it back to Matt for a minute when we're talking about, you know, professional careers in aviation. And Abby was just talking about resumes and skill building. Listen, I know that, that y'all's goal is to get folks the education they need. And you have affiliates with, uh, with regional airlines to get folks into their first job. But Matt, what like what other kind of preparation can people do, can potential pilots and technicians do as far as their resume or or maybe a job skills interview? Well, you know that 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 question would have been answered totally different a year ago. But I think what has happened with this pandemic is made things more competitive. And I think what people a year ago in the aviation industry that was just growing like weeds and had all this opportunity is different than what what's like now now people are more selective and they're looking for they're looking for different things and they're looking for people that have set themselves apart and and, and be engaged in meaningful ways that can that they can bring to their company like abby said you know everyone's always looking to hire if it's the right person uh, we're fortunate we work closely with JS Firm, so we, we have uh, constant access to the expertise that a, a company like JS Firm can, can offer tools to our students. We have a graduate services department that works with all of our students to kind of get things in line. Uh, the applications for these airlines can be very detailed and specific with how they need to be filled out, so we, we work with our students uh, early on to coach them on on uh, doing that properly and accurately and, and be well presented for their interviews. But I tell students now that um, have just started since uh, the beginning of this year, since the pandemic, that you've got to find ways to set yourself apart. And I think that goes for all industries, not just the aviation industry, given what's happened in this pandemic. And um, you do that by again, being meaningfully engaged in the community you're looking to get involved with. And there's plenty of ways to do that. There's still very active organizations that are out there. There's, there's clubs, there's all types of things that you can do to stay engaged. And the more you can do that to add to your resume sets, sets you apart. And one of the things too is using this time to pursue your degree. And we offer master's degrees as well. So uh, some people are taking the opportunity to pursue and further their education so that they can set themselves apart. Yeah, I think uh, it's more competitive and, and you need to you need to find ways to to stay actively engaged and, and meaningfully separate yourself from from others by by that engagement. And you were just talking about being engaged in the community. So, Matt, I want to throw it back to you for just a second and remind folks that California Aeronautical University awarded more than $150,000 in one scholarship, the Dreams Take Flight Scholarship, to Kimberly Rodriguez-Gona. And this happened back in, in the, the middle of 2019. And, and really, she was a, a unique individual that seemed so deserving of this scholarship award to pursue aviation. And you, you did reach into your own backyard, basically over in Bakersfield to find someone that was so passionate about aviation. If I recall, she stayed after class. She was part of the drone club, things like that. Give us a little bit update on Kimberly and, and other folks like her 
um, that you might be targeting in the future? Yeah, there was a big selection that went that took place over that. Uh, I just had Kimberly in my office uh, the other day. She's she's successfully completed her private pilot. You know, working uh, towards the completion of her instrument, progressing uh, right along, and like all students, uh, you know, growing up and uh, facing the challenges of of hard work and and uh, transforming oneself from a, a young adult to to a an adult that uh, has a skill set to be put to work out there. Uh, so we're pretty proud of Kimberly and those like her. And um, yeah, we offer scholarships and I, I encourage people at any pursuit they have, whether it's a, a flight school, a, a engineering, a college or university, there's so much money out there, David, and scholarships to help people pursue their dreams. And we're fortunate to offer scholarships here at our university uh, for those that are qualified as such, but there's so much money out there for all types of studies and uh, people just have to put a little bit of effort in and the rewards can be plentiful. But that effort, sometimes people just aren't willing to, to put forth and the money is left on the table. So encourage everyone you can to to go go after that money and i'm excited what aop is doing with all the scholarship money you guys are putting out there that's going to be really neat well we're gonna we're gonna keep an eye on that and something i'm going to follow up on with you real quick matt is is about this whole scholarship you know i don't want to say the procedure but the the really thinking about a scholarship if you're a young person and you're listening to this or even if you are someone who's mid-career and thinking about a, a change you know, the scholarship application process is pretty competitive. As you said, Matt, just a minute ago, you, you said that the whole aviation field has gotten a little bit more competitive. Bringing it back to y'all real quick, Kimberly, the scholarship winner, you know, from California Aeronautical, she had a, a really interesting background. Uh, this young woman was actually working, you know, part-time, sending funds back home to her, her mom and helping support her family. And at the same time, she expressed an interest in aviation. I think scholarship um, applicants, when they're thinking about their applications, should really think about everything else that might help them be a more well-rounded applicant, not just being a great aviator, but a community member, you know, a mentor, a standout, uh, things like that. I don't know if either of y'all two had a little bit more to add on that. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll add real quick. I'm sure Abby's got something to add that she speaks about her her family <laughs> preparing to go off to college. I've got two kids in college now. Actually, my son is attending California Aeronautical University with a pursuit to be a pilot. But, you know, people need to follow their dreams and not give up. I mean, Kimberly is a great example of, you know, she didn't believe there was a way to fund her dream. And, and as you said, she had all these barriers and obstacles, as, do, as does everyone. I mean, we all have those. And her life was changed when she was the recipient and the panel chose her to receive the scholarship and she stopped her plans to move and she was just going to pursue a kind of something that was naturally in her family that, that was easy to, to pursue. And you can't give up. Where there's a will, there's a way. And that is so true for everyone in life. And if you, you have a desire to do something, there's somebody out there that wants to help. There's some fun that's available don't give up looking for it. You may have to venture into other efforts as, as, your, as your search um, occurs, but don't give up. The money's out there, the people are out there, the support's out there, 
I mean, look at what AOPA has done over the years and the programs you guys have put in place for, for flight schools, for individuals, for aircraft owners, for, for all the things that AOPA has done and why we've partnered with you is because of the way that you guys reach out and, and help people solve their problems and, and live their dreams. That's what we're all about at California Aeronautical University. And I, I know Abby's firm is, is the same. Uh, well, you're too kind, Matt. Uh, APA thanks you for your support, of course. And and Abby, I want to ask you a little bit. We're going to wrap up in a few minutes. Let's both of us, let's all three of us sit for a second, put on our crystal ball, let's stare at our crystal balls, put on our thinking caps, and look to the future. We have a lot of great technology on the horizon. Abby, I'm going to put the pressure on you first. Look into the future. What kind of opportunities do you see and some that we might not even know about right now? What kind of opportunity, opportunities do you see for young people that are just interested in aviation? Wow. Um, so in my crystal ball, what I see and how I sort of made mention, you know, about my daughter and uh, trying to encourage her to pursue some sort of degree or certificate within the, uh, the drone world. Um, I think UAV, UAS is going to be something that I hope I'm alive for, um, that it's in my lifetime. I know at all the different shows we go to, you know, we see those Uber mobiles and those things that are just going to fly around and pick you up. And as crazy as it sounds and as crazy as it looks, I don't think it's something that's so far-fetched. And drones alone, even without putting people in them, it just touches every facet of every industry, you know, whether it's construction and railroad and uh, architect, and there's just so much. So to me, it's that UAV, UAS world that is just going to soar, and I, I'm excited. And like I said, I, I hope I'm still around, even if I'm old. Uh, I, still, I hope I'm still here to see that. And as Matt made mention, you know, with that consumer confidence, just with aviation in general, we're positive here at jsfirm.com. Uh, aviation's not going to go anywhere. It's just a matter of what direction it's going to take, and maybe it looks a little different. And let's face it, those airplanes should have been cleaned all along anyways, you know, the majors. Um, like I said, the one I was just on was crystal clean. It was so nice. Uh, there was nothing on the windows. My little tray table was perfectly clean. So I think aviation will just change and evolve and we'll get back to where we were is what I see in my crystal ball. Matt, your turn for staring into the crystal ball. Let's look to the future, put our thinking caps on for a second. Well, I'm glad you picked on Abby first. It gave me a little time to think. And, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, my, my crystal ball might not be as, as, as clear as hers. And I'll blame it on COVID like everybody else has been blaming things this year on. But, you know, I, I think technology continues to advance us in ways we don't even know what questions to ask yet and, and what's going to see. I see some of this thing happening um, with you know, the space programs and, and these travels in, in kind of the upper limits of our atmosphere to, to change how we're getting from point A to point B faster. And I see logistics and all this stuff that the pandemic, you know, with so much negative out there about what has been created, like history has taught us in these times of crisis, uh, so much innovation occurs. And I, I look forward to the day when we're looking at this period of time we're in now and recognizing all that has progressed and all that has come to us from this crisis. And, and you see um, lots of things continue to advance and, and solutions and uh, ways to, to work on health safety. But uh, 
five, 10 years from now, I think uh, aviation's uh, on a very similar tra trajectory that it was prior to the pandemic. And that is people, um, it's a global economy and people are wanting to get, get around and we're gonna find technologies gonna continue to improve and, and show us things we don't even, we don't even fathom yet. And so that's my crystal ball and maybe it's not so crystal, but uh, that's my, my look into the future. No, it's a good look into the future. And you guys, you, know, you operate out of Bakersfield, California, Meadows Field. So, I mean, at some point this could be, it could be a major, you know, major eVTOL hub. As you mentioned, you're kind of in the heart of the, the space race out there in the, in the, in the desert area. But um a lot of folks are thinking that general aviation airports are going to factor in uh, and be real key environments to get some of this eVTOL stuff jump started. And uh, I guess you're in a really good spot for that. One thing I wanted to, to do before we wrap up, I wanted to mention one thing that uh, Matt and you and I talked about a little while ago. And this really was news to me that during the height of the coronavirus pandemic, and we were talking about flight training and the school environment that your school got together with other colleges and y'all are normally very competitive in that field, but you actually pooled resources to figure out some best practices through the uh, coronavirus pandemic to keep training going. Just super quick touch on that. I should have brought it up earlier, but I really wanted folks to understand how the competitive nature of the business actually turned into a very cooperative uh, piece of the business during the first start of that um, pandemic. Well, yeah, and I, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast that, you know, we're fortunate and, and uh, amongst our peers, I, I've never viewed the, the people that I, I work with or I get to associate with and I'm, I'm fortunate in the aviation community to, to meet, and especially at the university level, you know, the different colleagues at the other colleges and universities. Uh, we have a great association uh, that many of us are members of, the University Aviation Association, and they do a great job of bringing us together and, and different uh, representatives from the different colleges and universities. We've hosted some things where we've had some best practices talks and what, you know, what, what safety measures are people using and, and talking about that because the volumes of students that are at most of these colleges and universities and the fleets of aircraft um, create a dynamic that, you know, we need to support one another. And uh, again, I think that spans the whole aviation community. Everyone's working well together and as airports are a unique environment, right? Everyone on an airport is technically competing. FBOs for fuel and, you know, maintenance shops, you know, there's only so many places you can land an airplane and come work. So most of the, the, the competition that exists on airports finds itself, you know, knowing everyone's business. And as a result, uh, creates a culture where you gotta, you gotta get along, you know, you, you're, that's just how it works. So I'm happy that we've gotten along and we've gotten some good inputs from other college universities and, uh, happy to be sharing on this podcast, uh, about, you know, the job opportunities and, and the industry as a whole. Well, I can definitely tell that both of y'all love aviation and share that love, um, in your jobs and with other, other folks who are close to you. I'm going to go into some final thoughts real quick as we wrap it up. And um, Abby, go ahead and let us know again the um, the website folks can tap into, and if you have any events, even uh, if they're virtual or uh, in person, any events on the schedule, real quick. Yeah. So again, to get to our website, it's jsfirm.com, Juliet Sierra F I R M.com. And as a reminder, we're free to all aviation job seekers and 
you know, keep in mind, it's not just pilot jobs. It's not just mechanic jobs. So even if you are a pilot or a mechanic, but maybe looking for a management level job or sales executive level, you can find those jobs on our website. And like I said earlier, there's over 20,000 aviation jobs on our site today that you can apply to. So the industry is definitely, you know, it did go down a little bit there in the height of the pandemic, but companies are getting that confidence back and realizing that, you know, they either have to uh, advertise and hire and grow or go out of business. So um, we're excited to see that. And right now we don't have, I don't have anything scheduled as of right now. Um, Internally, I know for us, um, as far as us traveling, we will be attending, if it happens, uh, Heli Expo in New Orleans in March. So we're looking forward, you know, hopefully that happens and we can get out and see our customers and our job seekers. And we really love and yearn for that face-to-face interaction more than ever. And just tell a friend, you know, anytime we see anyone, we just tell them, you know, we thank them for using the site and tell a friend that may be in need or even someone that's curious and wants to see who is hiring. Definitely hop onto our site and check it out. Sounds good. Matt, remind everyone how they could get to California Aeronautical via the World Wide Web. Yeah, the, thanks, David. It's They can visit us and look at us on uh, different social media channels, uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, all, the, all the different social medias that are out there that uh, my kids keep having to educate me about every day. But uh, alarrow.edu. So uh, they can go to that website and look at look at all our different programs and, and peruse accordingly. We're, we're doing some great things and, um, you know, training hundreds of students and we're, uh, looking forward to the future and, and really, uh, enjoying our relationship with all the other aviation, uh, people out there. And appreciate it. Hopefully one day soon we'll get that, we'll get that rolling, uh, simulator bus back on the road when the COVID, uh, calms down a little bit, but that was a cool thing too, to get a lot of young people interested in aviation. Hey, Abby has me depressed. She's, she's reminded me of air shows and uh, we sponsor an air show performer, Vicki Benzing. And, uh, we were just talking last night and we're just, we're all missing the, the smell of that jet fuel from, uh, you know, these military demonstrations and, uh, looking forward to to getting that excitement back in our back in our bones. Agreed. I have to tell you too that um, I don't know where I miss you having a decathlon. So you know, I'll, I promise I'll wear a mask. But as soon as you'll have me, I feel like I need to come west and go for a ride. Anytime, Abby. You you and I anytime. Hey, I want in. I went in. I want Perfect. in on that deal too. Uh, decathlon is like the plane of my future, but. Uh, y'all are, y'all are both a lot of fun to be with. And I hope our listeners got a lot out of that. So just a reminder, it's calarrow.edu and jsfirm.com. And folks can ask questions as well. Uh, They, you know, navigate through the websites and we hope that we'll see everybody in in person in the not too distant future. Any final thoughts? I'm going to open the floor to final thoughts. Other than that, I'm going to thank both y'all for, for really giving us a lot of time and giving us a lot of information on aviation careers. Yeah. I think for me, it's just, here's the 2021, you know, we're looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, let's, uh, let's look at all that we've done uh, and learned from 2020 and let's get 2021 here and move, move on and get things going. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Uh, both y'all Matt Johnston and Abby Hutter. And we appreciate y'all being here on Hangar Top with us. We had a little bit of a long program this time, but we got a lot of information out of that. And it, it sounds like a very positive approach from both of y'all. And uh, we're going to look to the future. 
We're going to look in that crystal ball. We're going to see some new jobs we haven't even imagined yet and keep the opportunities going for aviators of the future. Thanks again. So David, this is a great chat, and um, it's really cool to see uh, the growth at CAU right now, and then also uh, just astounding to me that they have tens of thousands of jobs still currently posted on JS Firm. So when you look at it that way, it's like things things look pretty good. Yeah, I think there's a positive outlook on uh, and everything from Matt and Abby. We thank them so much for providing a real professional, you know, look at the aviation industry, and I would encourage folks who want to get into aviation to follow their footsteps, you know, brush up on your resume if you're already a pilot. If you're not and you're considering it, you know, considering going into aviation, definitely take a look and look at CAU as well. And uh, I think there's plenty of opportunity for folks in the future. All right, you got it. That's all the time we have for this week. I'm Ian Twombly. Our editor is Austin Hansen. I'm David Tillis. Don't forget, you can find us at aopa.org slash hangar talk. You could get Alexa to play hangar talk or you could find us on wherever you can get your Apple uh, podcast or your Google podcast or Spotify. Just find us. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time, Ian. Hangar Talk from AOPA. Your freedom to fly.